0: Ever since I have known that I was coming here, my the Lord has set my face in a certain direction for this service today. And I'm going to do just a little differently than what I normally do when I'm here. I just really feel like slowing down just a little bit. Uh, I'll be here tomorrow night, I guess. Am I still coming tomorrow night? I'll be preaching tomorrow night. We'll preach then. But I, I have something that I just feel so necessary for our day and it it isn't that anybody else can't preach it and I'm going to preach a thought to you that I don't know that I have quite honed in my own mind I'm really here today insecure and unsure and sometimes that's dangerous but uh, I want to uh, preach to you from to me the most perplexing uh, chapter in the Bible Not all of that chapter, but just a few portions of Scripture there, and it'll be Romans, the 7th chapter. We read, starting at verse 18, the Apostle Paul making a very unusual statement. Now, understand that this book is written down in the latter years of the very final stages of his ministry the years of fruitful ministry are behind him the years of, of missionary ministry are behind him he is now at the place of being offered up himself he is at the, the closing stages of his ministry and um, he makes a statement here Romans the 7th chapter in verse 18 he says for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth No good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body or from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Praise God. You may be seated. What has brought me to the place that I am in this message today is 18 years of pastoring, 4 years of evangelizing. I've been in a church a little bit over 30 years now. And I just must confess to you that there are things today that perplex me more than they did when I got the Holy Ghost. It isn't that I don't have an answer for them. I'm perplexed by them. And I'm perplexed by a statement that Paul made here. After having been a seasoned veteran, (coughs) excuse me, of preaching many messages and many revivals and opening many churches and being the great apostle of the New Testament, he said, I find in me no good. And then he qualified it. He says, That is in my flesh. And I'm here today, and I don't want to preach on demon possession. I don't want to get off into the spooky realm, although I think that we are attributing a lot of things to demons that really are just in the flesh. There are a lot of things that happen. And uh, I'm perplexed because I have good people that I have pastored for many years. They'll go to an altar and they'll pray. And they'll seek God and they'll pray through. And they'll talk in tongues. And then they get up and their flesh takes control. And they seem to not be able to get the victory in their flesh. And one of the things that I've noticed is... When God comes to dwell, the Apostle Paul is giving us something here. Apparently, God does not dwell in our flesh. Because Paul said, I find no good thing in my flesh. God must only dwell in our spirit. And if that's the case, then we have a vehicle... And we have an avenue that we have to deal with, and that's our problem. My problem is not my wife. My problem is not my children. My problem is not my church. My problem is not saints. My problem is not my brethren that are with me. My problem is in my flesh. And what I find people doing, and we're going to go in this direction today, is people get the Holy Ghost and they receive a wonderful experience from God, but somewhere their education and their growth in the things of God stops at the happy state of talking in tongues, and there's no schooling, and there's no instructing in the flesh that there are things that the flesh is not allowed to do. I've seen people... Get up out of the altars in my church. Sunday night have a blowout. And walk out and get into a fight in a parking lot. Just this last few months around my place has been a wonderful exposition of Holy Ghost infilling and flesh fighting. I walked out in my parking lot. Here about three weeks ago. And I mean there was a brouhaha going. I mean they were fighting in my parking lot. Saints of God. That had just come out of a real dynamic service. Where God was moving. And there had been people running the aisles. And I walked out. And I stood there. And my wife walked up and looked at me. She said, I didn't know how to take it. You had this funny grin on your face. I was looking at the people there as they were scratching and clawing and cussing one another. Now you have to let me preach this because every one of you preachers experience what I'm talking about. And somewhere we're trying to figure out, how's the devil getting in my church? Where's the devil doing this? And I think that God has given me the answer. And the problem is I'm a slow learner. I should have learned this a long time ago. I've got people in my church that there's a devil behind every bush. I had a man come to my church one time, and we had a woman down there that was praying, and she wasn't praying just exactly the way uh, he thought she ought to pray, pray. And I saw him coming across the front of church. And when I saw that, I just went and got between him and her, and I turned around, I just put my hand in his chest, and I shoved him back. I wasn't as much worried about the spirit she was portraying as I was the spirit he was portraying. And this looking for devils. Let me tell you something. You guys that's looking for devils, you don't know what a devil really is. I've cast them out. I've watched them slither on the floor like snakes. I've watched them vomit up blood clots on our carpet. I've watched them foam at the mouth. I've listened to women scream out with men's voices. There's a difference in that kind of person and somebody that just doesn't have their flesh under control. But we have an anemic ministry and an anemic priesthood today that does not know how to deal with the things of the flesh. So we've got to say, it's a devil. I've got to be careful because it's not going the direction I have figured in my mind. <laughs> I'm fighting devils here. And what happens is this people get the Holy Ghost and they they let something run unchecked in their flesh and the Holy Ghost will move in them but something will happen that will be a flash point or an ignition point and their flesh will raise up, and they'll respond in their flesh, whether it be to a spirit of jealousy, or a spirit of envy, or a spirit of hatred. Uh And they may be spirit-filled, but there is something now that they've done in their flesh. By responding and allowing themselves to open up, they have now given the enemy access. The enemy does not go into the spirit, but he plies his trade in the open avenues of the flesh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a spirit of lying that's going through our generation. I'm telling you, I've had people just flat out lie. And there's no fear in them. There's no fear of God in them. And then they get caught up in that spirit and they can't seem to extricate themselves from it. They just lie. They start lying all the time. I've had them look me straight in the face and tell me a bald faced lie, and I knew they were lying. Uh Uh I've had women get spirits of jealousy on them. And it's always the women that have the ugliest husbands that show the most jealousy. (laughs) You know, these gals that's got these good looking hunks, they're not jealous over those fellas. You watch, you 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 pastors, you, you you get a woman in your church that's really got a spirit of jealousy. She's usually got an old dog for a husband. I mean, run through your mind, ruminate through your mind right now. If I'm not telling you the truth, yeah, right. they're so pr- protective of that old. I know one old woman, that, <laughs> dear Lord. For years in our home church, she would go to an altar. And she would bawl and she would cry and leave puddles of tears in the altar and get up from there unchanged. She accused every woman in the church of flirting with her husband. (laughs) She was an old red faced, he was bald headed. I mean, he was ugly. I'm not saying now, brother. Brother Johnson's a nice-looking fella. I got spirit of lions coming this place. I said that for his wife's sake. I think he does have a wife. She don't travel with him. She must be embarrassed too. Yeah. You started this frivolous thing out this morning. I feel a laughing spirit coming in this place. And there's some of us not even trying to control it. Laughter doeth good like a medicine. Some of you are getting a a big dose But I mean, this guy was ugly, and she was jealous of him. And I remember my pastor coming to me and saying, I have had it with that woman. I didn't understand that back then. (laughs) I understand it well today. There have been a few people I've just had it with. That's where my altars are built, God. I've had it (laughs) And I mean that woman would pray, and she would bawl, and she would cry. And that spirit was eating her up. And it was something that she had in her flesh. It was something that she could have controlled if she would have looked at the right thing. But it was always everybody else. You're out to get my husband. Uh, I see your mannerisms. I see the way you use your hands. Uh, You're flirting with my husband. And she would be eat up of jealousy. There's a spirit of perverseness, there's spirits of brokenness, spirits of pride, spirits of depression. I'm sorry, I don't understand depressed saints. Depression is not a work of the Holy Ghost. It is not a work of the Spirit. And let me say something right now. I need to preface some remarks. Listen, the devil cannot make you sick. He cannot make you backslide. He cannot close down one church. If he could close down a church, he'd close them all down. If he could make one person backslide, he'd make everybody backslide. He can't do it. We need to realize the problems that we are fighting and warring with in our churches today is not a great big old bad boogeyman that's walked into church. It's the uncared for situations in our flesh that we are not willing to take our flesh out and crucify it daily. The apostle Paul said, in my flesh there is no good thing. And another place, he said, I die daily. He said, when I would do good, evil is present. I find then a law in my members. And I know that those of you that are theologically deep want to go back and hang me up in the law in the very first part. But I'm telling you, we're talking about a Holy Ghost filled, one God, apostolic, seasoned, veteran preacher. I hate it when they take us into Romans chapter 1 and they say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And they'll say, well, the gospel is the good news. It is the good news. But what is the good news? It's not just telling stories that make people feel good. It is not just death, burial, and resurrection only. I teach in my church, there's four ingredients that you have to have to be saved. You have to repent. You have to be baptized in Jesus' name. You have to be filled with the Holy Ghost the heavens and speaking in other tongues. And you have to live a holy life. There's four things you've got to pick up And the, the, the last one is a lifetime search we're, we're searching after holiness We're searching after the things of God I'm doing things today for God In this later years of my ministry That I didn't know to do when I started out But when I find that I can do them It's joy to me to do them I've sat on my pew, I've heard my preacher preach to me, and I've gotten mad. And then I had to go to the altar and say, hey, flesh, you're not going to get mad at the preacher for preaching to you. The devil didn't come and make me get mad at the preacher. The devil wasn't sitting there whispering in my ear. There was some uncared for situations in my flesh uh, that the devil, I was to open up and allow the devil to have access. When you start closing off those access hatches and those uh, companion ways, uh, you'll shut down a whole realm of spiritual intrusion into your life and you'll start becoming a happy Christian. You'll lose your depression. Uh, You'll get rid of your anorexia. You'll get rid of your bulimia. You'll get rid of all this garbage and junk. Hello? Hello? Oh, there's an eating disorder. No, there is a flesh disorder. I'm tired of mom and dad being blamed for everything. Just because my dad was an alcoholic, I wasn't an alcoholic. My dad smoked three and four packs a day. I didn't smoke three and four packs a day. As a matter of fact, if you'll look and follow it out, you'll find out that there are more people that come out from alcoholic parents that don't become alcoholics than there are that do. We open ourselves up. We go to church. And I'm telling you, saints will sit in churches mad at one another. I remember the scripture talking about Euodius and Santaeche, two of the deaconesses of the early church. They were sitting in there. They had a dissension among them. The apostle Paul speaking to them Did you know he did not rebuke them because of their dissension? He said, I want you to be like minded. In other words, there's an attitude adjustment that has to be brought into this thing. And sometimes you're not going to get just an attitude adjustment from going to an altar. And I'll tell you right now, God will adjust every attitude in an altar. But some of us don't want attitudes adjusted in the altar. So we come here hooded. We come here covered up. And we'll go down and pray. And we'll let God touch this much of us. But this much is untouched. Because we have learned how to cover up. And we've learned how to protect certain avenues in our flesh. I'm go- I am I deserve to have a, a raging fit every once in a while. I deserve to let my anger run its course every once in a while. No, no, no. Because a person that has an angry spirit, when they've got, they're filled with the Holy Ghost and they get angry and they let that opening come up, they are now in a place to be plagued and troubled by a spirit of anger at all times. I had a man come in in my church, Filipino, fifth-degree black belt. I mean, a lot of disciplines in his life that he had learned in the world. He came out of the occult, witchcraft, devil worship. He was involved in all of that. And he came and got the Holy Ghost, and God filled him marvelously. You you, you know Brother Briones, Brother Kessling. and, And Brother Briones came to church. God filled him with the Holy Ghost and delivered him from cigarettes. Brother Briones was a mortgage broker and one day at work he's just got to think I wonder what a cigarette would taste like and he smoked a cigarette and for the next two years we fought with him trying to help him get deliverance from cigarettes And we called it a spirit of nicotine we called it a spirit of cigarettes you you name it we did everything we I threatened him I I, I anointed a cloth and gave it to him I'm telling he'd come to me said pastor I'm just having a real struggle one day I was so angry and upset in my spirit I was I I called him in my office I sat him down I said John how many cigarettes are you smoking a day he said well pastor I'm smoking about one and a half now my chin almost fell on my desk I said, that's all? You don't have a cigarette problem. You got a flesh problem. And I looked at him and I said, I'm going to tell you right now don't you smoke another cigarette. You leave this office, don't you smoke another one. You hear me? I said, I'm mad. You messed with my mind for two years. I'm mad because I didn't have a spirit of discernment. (laughs) You're supposed to be spiritual, Pastor. You should have picked up on that. It angered me. And I said, you have wasted my time for two years. And I looked at him, I said, you may have a fifth degree black belt, but I'll tell you what, I'll get me a crowbar. I said, you smoke another cigarette, I got a Smith and Wesson at home. I may just blow your brains out. It's time for your flesh to know there are greater pains that can be extracted on you. If you're not man enough to do it, honey, I can do it. And you know what, Brother Johnson, he walked out of my office, he's never smoked another cigarette. Right. You know what he had to do? He had to get his flesh under control. But you can't get your flesh under control unless you do some things. I'm tired of these people come. pray for me, I have a problem. What is your problem? The 12 step programs are better than Pentecost. They at least make you acknowledge what your problem is. Yeah. <laughs> we used to do it. We don't do it. In, oh, that's all right. Go my, thy way and sin no more, my child. Our Father. We do our Pentecostal rosaries we spend our time in in the neo pentecostal ranks when all the time once you recognize what your problem is you know what you need to do you need to admit it you need to confess this is my problem if you don't confess it there's no getting rid of it there's no getting any deliverance of. there has to come a time when you got to say that's right i do have a spirit of bitterness can't get anybody deliverance if they won't recognize they need it. In our ranks, and you brethren know as well as I do, that there's a lot of marriage problems going around today. And I'll tell you what part of the marriage problems are. It's just people that don't build altars anymore. Every every couple that I counsel, and I counsel them all over the place, and it just seems like everybody gets a bad one, I get called. But I'm a I'm a very unusual counselor. I, I just I get tired of listening to all the stories of why they are where they are. You know, there's no need for me to spend three hours sitting there listening to you tell me how bad your husband is and how bad your wife is. Why don't we just talk about how bad you are? I had a pastor come to me, or his wife came to me, and and I was talking, we almost lost them. We almost lost their church. And uh They came in my office, and they sat down, and he started in. I said, wait a minute. Your marriage failure is a direct result of your ministerial failure. What do you mean? I said, you teach and you preach that when you get in trouble, you're to seek out help. You've been in trouble for 11 years. And who went seeking out the help? It was your wife. You couldn't even bring your own house into control. And I said, I'm telling you right now, I lay this at your feet. You're a preacher. Uh I I don't live here. (laughs) Your home is in a shambles. You're a spiritual leader, and you didn't have enough wisdom to seek out an elder and to say, I have problems. It's beyond my own capability. And for 11 years, walking in your flesh, you've hid the problem, and now you're losing your wife. I can't say it was the devil that did it. I said, you know, you need to rebuild your altars. You're not praying. You're not praying with your wife. You're not praying with your husband. You're not even praying alone. See, we, we want to say, oh, well, you just don't know. I've really had a struggle. My mother, my, my, I did this. I did. No, 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 no. Listen, we, where old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I received a brand new experience in God and he gave me the ability to overcome. But I'm telling you, I fought some things in my flesh. Sometimes it gets so perplexing that you don't even know if it's in the flesh or not. Paul hit a spot. He said, whether in the flesh or not, I know not. Now, we're talking about a spiritual vein that he was in. But... How many times have you come to a place to where it's almost an impasse in your home, an impasse with your kids, an impasse with your parents, an impasse in the church, and you're not willing to back down and say, you know what? I was wrong. My spirit was wrong. And you go through life from that point on plagued problems that are tantamount to almost suicide. I've had them tell me I'd blow my brains out if I didn't know I'd go to hell. What do you mean you would commit suicide if you, you didn't know you would go to hell? What kind of a Christian are you? talk in tongues I know you do but you're not bringing some things under submission to the things of God we need a revival of picking on ourselves instead of picking on everybody else nobody's left my church mad now brother Johnson I have an open door policy they all leave I have one of those churches I'm blessed. Nobody wants to move to my church. When they get mad, they just want to go. And it's always been my philosophy if you're mad enough to go, I'd rather you just go because you're going to make somebody else mad. There's some of them I said, Go on. You're free to go. Go on. I had a preacher call me not too long ago. He says, I don't know what to do. I said, Let them all go. I said, you got 20 people that's unhappy in your church. If you force them to stay there, they're going to have 40 people that's unhappy next year. Purging's hard. But the purging I'm talking about is like what Tide does. He gets the stains out the others leave behind. You know, when we talk about a purging, we're not talking about a surface cleaning we're talking about something that goes down and pulls the stain out there was a situation that developed in my church when I first went there now understand this it was a unified group they were a praying people they were a carnal people the first 2 years that I was in San Lorenzo when I went there there was 19 adults the first two years I went there, we had 14 cases of adultery, and one case of incest. I got hate mail. I had a woman in my church that wrote me letters, said, "We got rid of other pastors; we'll get rid of you too." I put them in a file, and I thought, "Man, what do I do? I, if if I rip these people out, I'll destroy good people." the The, the fellow was messing with his own daughter one night i went down to the altar and i told my wife i said i don't know how to handle this situation it's beyond me <laughs> nobody's going to even believe it i mean it was confessed i yes i did do it but that man had come in and talk in tongues and the church would follow him and i remember his wife writing all those letters and telling me how she hated her kids and she hated her husband she hated me well it's a hate complex spirit of hate <laughs> got a demon of hate in her <laughs> brother price i never did this before i haven't done it since i haven't had no cause to but i remember going in my altar or in my file cabinet i had a a, a cabinet a file that thick of letters i'd received from them and i laid them on the altar my wife and i went down to the church it was about 9 30 10 o'clock one night nobody was there and we just laid them on the altar I, they, they covered the whole front of the church I, laid, I want God to read them. I remembered reading in the Bible where, where the, the, the man of God laid the letter out before the Lord. And I got down, and I started praying. I said, God, this church doesn't believe this. They think I'm crazy. They think I'm a radical. Man, I was. I came in here with both guns blazing. I didn't know you are supposed to keep them in the holsters. Man, I... I came out of Harvey Davis's church. <laughs> Bless God, if it wasn't nailed down, you nailed it down. If you didn't nail it down, you shipped it out in a box. <laughs> That's what I've been taught. Right. I had had a few men, Brother Dansby and Brother Reynolds and different ones, uh, tell me you don't just need to do it that way. <laughs> and I'd listen to them, and, I th- and I'd watch our churches. i think, you know, m- maybe you don't have to do it that way. And I laid those letters out, and I started praying, God, you're going to have to do this. That week we prayed, my wife and I, we prayed over every one of those letters. And I just opened them up and said, God, did you see this? God, did you see this? Nobody in the church, and I wouldn't let anybody in church read those letters. Nobody knew I had them at that time. And I put them back in the file, the folder. I took them back and I put them in my office. And a week later, a drunk come driving down the road, jumped the curb and hit the man and the woman broke his her neck in two places busted both his legs they were out of service for three months in three months we had almost 40 people get the Holy Ghost but you see it wasn't a spirit that we were trying to break it was some things in the flesh and God broke the flesh they came back there was an uprising they tried to get control of the church we dealt with it they left for a period of time and is about nine years later Don't anybody go telling this. Dear Lord, I don't know why I'm telling it. I'm swearing you to secrecy right now. The Holy Ghost got to talking to me and said, so-and-so's coming back. I said, no. I prayed them out. That kind went not out but by prayer and Fasting. There's a lot of problems I went through over that. God, are you sure that's you? And I went home and told my wife. I said, I feel like so-and-so is fixing to come back. She said, what? She said, are you sure the Lord told you that? I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'd already talked myself out of it being God, you know. And so it was about... Two or three days later the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said I want you to let so-and-so come back I went over this side of the church <laughs> it always happens that my spirit must be over there <laughs> and I'm praying and it came again I want you to let them come back you did it scripturally I want you to finish it scripturally Right. <laughs> I kind of felt like Bill Cosby, me and you, God, you know. And I want you to know they came back, and they have done good for several years. They've done good for several years. You want to know why? Because when they came back, Brother Price, they came in my office, and they sat down, and I said, you got anything you want to say? Yeah. Yeah. We did such and such, and we just want to we want to clear the air. I said, you know, I may have mishandled this. I, I don't do everything right. I want to clear the air with you folks today. I don't want you to walk out of this building today with a problem. I don't want you to leave this office thinking I'm holding anything against you. I want you to know that I may not have handled everything just the way it ought to have been handled it, but I handled it the best way I knew how. And I love you. I have always loved you. And they started talking about what the things they said and what they did and, and the places they'd gone and the tapes they'd given to other preachers to prove I was a false prophet. And, oh, man, I'm telling you, it, it went way out there. And, and they finally, they talked themselves. I said, you got anything else to say? They said, no. I said, then I suggest we just forget it. I want to walk out of this room, and I said, don't don't ever bring this up again. Don't, you don't have to live with this anymore. And I'm going to tell you, when I said those words to them, Brother Price, you could just see relief just flood through them. And they started smiling. And they walked out of there. And Brother Johnson, I have not had one moment's problem with them in the last several years. You want to know what it was? It was us getting away from the demonic aspect of it and realizing that there are things that get in our flesh and we need to deal with the things that get in our flesh. Paul said, I find that in my flesh that in there's nothing good. But I'm Holy Ghost filled. Let me tell you something, honey. You're Holy Ghost filled here today. But what you've got in your flesh is not good. And if you're not careful, you'll come to church. And it'll not be the Holy Ghost that gets its head up. It'll be your flesh that gets its head up. If we're not careful as preachers, it'll not be the Holy Ghost anointing and the unction that puts us behind the pulpit. I've walked into my pulpit, Brother Johnson, and I was mad, and I said things in my flesh. I've been doing a lot of teaching and preaching on marriage around our place here lately. If you want to get something to hop up, you just preach on it. I, t- I taught the wives. This is what I taught. I said, you have to submit no matter what. Everything, I else, everything else I say is just fluff. And I preach fluff for one hour. There's no loopholes. There's no getting around it. You 20th century women need to understand that you need to submit to your husbands. No loopholes. Now, I'm not talking about him asking you to go to the bar or take drugs. I'm talking about a Christian home. You women that don't want to submit, you're causing problems in the flesh. There's no devil upsetting your home. You are. And your husband may say you're a devil, but it's your flesh. Okay, ladies, get ready. I taught the next week for men. There's no need to mix the two. They were too, too good a lessons to mix. I said, I'm going to tell you something. There's one thing you men have to do. You've got to love your wives. And every one of those guys got a grin on their face. And I said, it's not loving. All you 20th century lovers, it's not smooching and making out and all the touchy, touchy, feely, feely things. And I preached for an hour on love. And you know, There are some situations you cannot help. <laughs> <laughs> and I said the guys were, you know, when I was talking about submission, those men were going. <clears throat> <clears throat> You've seen it, you it. <clears throat> you get that babe? <laughs> Submit. <laughs> Boy, I got to preaching on love. <clears throat> <clears throat> love. And I got to talking about love doesn't do anything for anything other than just for love's sake. If you guys are doing to get, you don't love. Love is unqualified. And then we broke down to 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. It doesn't get puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemly. And on and on through the whole thing. And I said, now I've got a problem. We got the women submitting and the men loving. But you fellas, you shave twice a day, biscuits and gravy in the morning, men. I got a problem with you. You want to be the head of your house, don't you? Our churches are made up of women that drag husbands to church. Now listen to me. I'm not, I don't have time to preach all that I came here for. You need to understand that prayer is a battleground. The problem that we're making, we're making everything outside of prayer the battleground. And prayer is our victory. You go to prayer, and that's where you do your battling, and you get up from there, and you walk in victory. This lady came down the front to get prayed for. Pastor's was a little weary that night, and he just reached up and put his hand on her head and said, God, touch this woman. You know she's sick tonight. He took his hand off her. She said, but pastor, I'm really sick. He said, oh, God, touch her in Jesus' name. And she went back satisfied. He'd really prayed. Shook her head. Man, we're getting somewhere now. I'm trying to get out of this. But the battlegrounds in prayer and then when we get up from there you don't even have to lay hands on anybody to see anything something happen I prayed for a blind woman one night she received her sight brother and sister Mascroft were there we had a man die on us God gave him his life back the paramedics there's no vital signs he died twice in our church <laughs> we revived him twice the third time we just let him go <laughs> I've seen the dead raised. (laughs) Well, you know, three strikes, you're out. (laughs) Get the flesh under control. (sighs) I'm having fun. You know what? There's a good, clean spirit in this church. I don't know if it's Mountain Home here or just all the visitors. I don't know what it is. We'll find out tomorrow night. There's some good clean flesh here too. But I told those men, those shave twice a day type guys, you know, you want to really be the head of your house. You want your little old woman to really knuckle under, don't you? I said, there's one other thing that you have to do besides love. And the Bible says you have to submit too. <laughs> she just has to submit to you. You have to submit and love. The Bible says submitting yourselves one to another. <laughs> and then husbands love your wives. I said, so if you really want to get your flesh where it needs to be, you know, with all the battlegrounds we have, all the, the the psychological battles and wars that go on in a home between a husband and wife, you know, he, he goes to bed and lays on his side. <sighs> And she goes. Hmm. Now, y'all. Some of you have been married long enough. Do you know what it's like to sleep back to back, night after night, not saying anything, getting your message across? <laughs> Guilty. I'm going to bring that little woman under. I'll sleep on the couch tonight. <laughs> Flesh. Flesh. The Bible says, Woman, submit to that husband as you do unto the Lord. And husbands love that wife as Christ loved the church. Wow. And he gave himself for it. If she never speaks to you again, you got to love her. Come on, men. The Bible says love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you. What should you do to your wife? (laughs) Maybe she is an enemy that despitefully uses you. (laughs) (laughs) This is the last time I follow you anywhere. I don't know if I'm just atypical or I'm normal, <laughs> but you know what, I, I, I have problems. Sometimes things just don't go right for me. I have never been one of those guys that just comes into church and when I hit the back door start talking in tongues and shouting, talking in tongues all through service. But i got a man in my church can walk through the doors, hallelujah, hallelujah, and he, he gets with the program and then goes home and cusses his wife. They're not all the way I've been telling you they are. But you see, there's a flesh problem there. It isn't the lack of spirit. It isn't lack of God. It's lack of fleshly control. What do you do? You're going to crucify that flesh. I'm going to give back what Brother Price took away. You're going a 40-day fast. No. (laughs) No way. Three days is good. Seven days is murder. Forty days is fried kidneys. And bad eyesight, you're over. That's what's wrong with a lot of us. We went on a 40-day fast, now we read like this. Huh? <laughs> it's, it's learning to say, wait a minute, this flesh. You know, you get mad at your wife and you say something snotty and crotchety to her? I think that's a word. And then you, I'm justified I'm the head of this house. No. You have to say you know what I was wrong and I'm sorry if you don't do that you'll never get loose from that spirit it will start growing and that woman that I told you about it started out with a little spirit of jealousy brother Kessling we know her it consumed her to the point to where she accused every woman in the church of having had an affair with her husband and she'd go down to the altar and talk in tongues Now, I told you, I don't know that I'm I'm really settled. Brother Dugas can get with me later and brother these these elders can, can kind of pull my coattail and say, you know, son, you got off for middle-aged man or whatever you are. You got off in uh, uh, an area there that really wasn't quite right and I, I'm ready for correction in this. I, I don't want to introduce something that's wrong. But you know what? I'm so sick and tired of fighting things that's not there and overlooking things that are we want to look for a devil to come through that door and realize it's nothing but our flesh out of control and when our flesh gets out of control it taints our heart and the Bible says that the heart is desperately wicked above all all things all things all things all the devil can't even be as wicked as you can be in your flesh When you're out of control, your heart is desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? Only the Lord. And I don't have time to get into that. Let's stand. There has to be a breaking down of my flesh. We teach new converts to do something that we as saints don't do. These new converts go down to an altar and they start seeking God and seeking the Holy Ghost and they don't know how to get it. And I'm telling you, some of us don't know how to get free of our flesh or rid of the flesh problems. Chuck Yeager broke the sound barrier we've had preachers preach on breaking the flesh barrier you know, Chuck Yeager when he started that old jet and pushed the nose up against the sound barrier that old plane would get the bucking and shaking underneath him and they said don't go through we don't know what will happen just nose up to it we want to find out and he'd give them readings on how the, it's getting sluggy it's just not handling good I'm almost out of control one day Chuck Yeager decided he'd had enough And when he got to the out of control, he just shoved the throttles forward. And they heard a sonic boom go across that desert. And they didn't hear, they didn't know what had happened. And all of a sudden they said, wow, this is the way man was meant to fly. He broke through that barrier. We'll come down and we'll shake and we'll buck and we'll get under the, the load of it. But we never put the throttle through and go through and fly the way we were meant to fly.
1: Come oh, let's worship
2: the Lord. Woo! Mahanda. Hallelujah! 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 Glory to God! 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise your mighty name. Kori Moshi Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. What a beautiful message. and What a beautiful spirit we feel in this place this morning.
1: take my thoughts. I bring to you the message for you to hear. I expect you to obey. Turn your heart-
2: You don't hardly know what to do with it Brother Price Glory to God Lord. Let's worship the Lord again Shall we Hallelujah Hallelujah Oh Hallelujah Glory to God Glory to God Glory to God Glory to God, Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah,
1: hallelujah,
2: hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise your mighty name. Hallelujah, praise your mighty name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Brother Rushing. Thank you, Brother Johnson. Thank you, Brother Price. Amen. Brother Price started preaching to us this morning at breakfast. We've just had a full load. Amen. We appreciate it so much. I'd like to ask you to be seated for just a moment. And uh, when I'm through here, then uh, the Meridian Church has been kind enough to provide a full meal. We'll be serving in the back room. But here about several weeks ago... My wife decided to get some things done around the church. Now, you know, on board ship, you've got a captain. The captain's in charge of everything, but you've also got an executive officer. An executive officer is called the whip. He gets things done, so we have nicknamed Sister Kessling the whip. And uh, Brother Alan Johnson said, well, we'll call her Miracle Whip. <laughs> you know, Brother Price, I look at everything we have everything has been done this started off as a cabinet shop and i think brother rusty and i know brother mascroft do remember when we had things hanging from the ceiling we walked into this building and uh, but we had a vision but i look at everything that's been done and I, I thank god you're so great you're the author of it no man can take any credit for it because god has sent so many people our way to help us and to do things and to god be the, the glory and the praise but Brother Mascroft has done so much, built our platform. I mean, he's he's done so many things for us. And I got to the place I wouldn't ask him to do anything. I was almost afraid to. But not my wife. My wife's a bulldog. So unbeknownst to me, she got a hold of Brother Mascroft, and she got him over here. And then they found out they couldn't do it in the five or six days they allotted themselves while they were on the general conference. So they tried to rope me in. And uh, she said, call Brother Mascroft. We need him over here tonight. I, I didn't want to call him, <laughs> but my wife did. And she got him over here, and he has been so good and done so many things. And we want to give him honor uh, this, uh, this morning. I'd like to ask Brother Mascroft to come and my wife to come. And uh, Brother Mascroft, if you'd come right now, please. And the saints of this church have learned to appreciate Brother Mascroft. And uh, we'd like to honor him this morning. My wife has a special gift for him. She wants this.
1: (laughs) You know, I wish I could buy Cadillacs for everybody that God has sent our way to bless this church. I remember Brother Jerry worked all day long, and uh, Brother Rick... Uh, has done things for our church, and there was another Spanish boy, in Brother Mastroff's church, that came over and worked after eight hours of running. I don't know if you've ever worked for Brother Mastroff, but he don't lose no ground when you work. You move, and you know I wish i had give everybody something uh, for this because it's like Brother was preaching. It's not us when you look around and see the handful of people that God's put here in Mountain Home. We have to say it's God, and you know I'm so thankful for what He's done. I went, Brother Mascroft, one night worked uh, all day long. He don't like I'm embarrassing him, but uh, and he came, and it took me three times to go over and get the courage up to ask him because I know he was tired, but he never said no because he loves God, and he knows it's not just Meridian, it's Mountain Home, it's Boise. It's in Brother Picklesheimer's church. Wherever it may be, we're in this together. And, you know, I was so thankful. I got to think about the Word of God. Come on over Macedonia and help us. And, you know, that's what we're in for. Praise God. And I got another one more on my list. Uh, That Brother Yarbrough has promised me something. And I'm going to get the book out and get the date. He's going to get us another bathroom in here. And you know what? We need it. And uh, I don't know what we'll buy him but we'll get him something he likes. Uh, So we want to present this Bible. We haven't finished it. That's Mountain Home for you. We want to put your name on it, and each one of our people wants to write something in it, Brother Mascroft. And uh, we want you to know that we love you and appreciate you and your church for all that you've done for God.
2: Open it up, Brother Mascroft. See if you like it.